0: here with Simon Trinker, the director of Forte Physiotherapy. Uh, Welcome Simon, thank you for uh, talking to us today in regards to physiotherapy and exercise physiology. Um, If you would like to give us a little bit of history about yourself and how you got into physio and the direction you've taken so far, that'd be great.
1: Yep, wicked, thanks for having me. Um, So physiotherapy has always been part of my life, I guess. So I was a soccer player in the past and so then Naturally, you have uh, quite an interaction with physiotherapists on a daily basis. I uh, also had quite a significant injury in a, a tibia and a fibular fracture, which required t- uh, two years of ongoing physio and uh, EP work to uh, restore some sort of function. And uh, so uh, with all that happening, I, I ended up studying which was, uh, physiotherapy, which was an extension of my... Uh, exercise science, uh, sports science, uh, undergraduate.
0: Cool. So um, you've obviously started up your own business, uh, Forte Physiotherapy, and continue to expand. What's your overriding philosophy here at Forte? All
1: right, cool. So um, the idea behind physiotherapy is to restore function or facilitate the restoration of function to a person, right? So... I think part of that is being able to facilitate the person uh, with an education scheme that they can uh, re implement once that injury has passed on, so that if it does reoccur, then they, they can employ those techniques first. And then uh, if if that fails them, then they can come back in and see us again. Uh, so we're trying to empower the patient as opposed to just have regular sessions with someone. Uh, and part of that is the uh, exercise based. Uh, rehabilitation process that we take on board so it's very active uh, in their recovery as opposed to just a manual therapy uh, session on, on the bed uh, and that sort of philosophy has worked really really well for uh, a lot of our clients you know, getting long-term gains and uh, specifically post-operatively uh, in the orthopedic sense
0: yeah. Yeah. cool so you mentioned the exercise side of things um, studying exercise physiology myself uh, what sort of connection do you see with exercise physiologists and physio and the direction that sort of is taking over the next few years?
1: Well um, they really can't exist without each other it's more of a coexisting relationship honey the bee um, I guess uh, if a physio is rehabbing a person to a degree uh, whether it be an acute phase or even uh, you know some sort of acute on chronic phase then uh, the EP even has a role from, I would even say day one, you know, um, depending on, on how the person likes to be treated. Uh, but I, I see that uh, in the future there should be a combined role, EP and and physio, uh, where uh, they sort of understand each other and what's it, what their expectation of uh, the exercise program versus the manual therapy and how they parallel each other in, in progression. Um, that's, that's, that would be the winning combination for the client, right? And ultimately that's what we're here to service is the client.
0: Yep. So um, at this stage, an exercise physiologist looks to uh, uh, rehabilitate people and treat chronic disease from around stage two of a rehabilitation service, uh, where physiotherapists have that diagnostics sort of background, uh, stage one sort of um, rehabilitation as well. Do you see in the future, like you were just talking about, that connection where um, they intercross, do you see that becoming more prevalent within the allied health industry where we have some extracurricular learning for EPS and physiotherapists to try and actually uh, combine the roles to a certain degree mm-hmm. um, and that path
1: yeah I guess I mean look there's they make distinction between the degrees uh, which is important I guess for both career pathways but uh, maybe second to the diagnostics which is probably the, the only defining factor between the two um, then uh I, I'm sure that we would see that most of the treatment in the future would move towards exercise anyway. So uh every now and then another piece of information comes out you find that the manual therapy side of things has a lesser effect than what the uh the exercise based stuff does anyway. Uh the diagnostics and the clinical diagnosis of those injuries I understand is probably uh the most important thing anyway. Um so yes maybe in the initial phase Uh, That may be the physiotherapist's role um, and somewhat of a sports doctor's role. Um, But then after that, once a diagnosis has been uh, confirmed and a pathway of treatment established, then I don't see why the EP should not be involved.
0: Yeah, okay. So um, looking a little bit further into uh, specific diagnosis uh, now in regards to uh, lower back pain. So it's probably an area within allied health at the moment uh, and something that doctors previously have looked at as when lower back pain occurs, it's usually uh, that rest method. Uh, I understand you definitely take a different uh, view on lower back pain, uh, which is a good thing, especially from an EP standpoint. Um, what are some of the misconceptions and fallacies in regards to lower back pain um, out in the industry at the moment? Cool. So
1: non-specific lower back pain, uh, typically speaking, if you see a dinosaur GP, then you'll be put on bed rest and somewhat of a, uh anti-inflammatory and potentially a muscle relaxant, which might be in the form of a sleeping pill or a, an antidepressant. Um, so... Uh, medication is level uh, three evidence, I think, for uh, improving low, non-specific low back pain. Uh, whereas exercise has level one based evidence for uh, improving pain and return of function for a client with non-specific low back pain. Uh, so quite often you'll find that uh, somebody that presents with non-specific lower back pain uh, has uh if If you take a, a very good subjective history uh you will note that there's um inconsistencies with the volume or loads that they've taken on in the in the in the days leading up to their pain uh and therein lies the answer for um uh, quite often the the part that they don't have strength for uh, so whether that quite often is the glutes or if it's overactivity is it in the QLs, um do they have a sedentary problem where their extensive pattern is, uh, is, is not as strong as it should be and uh, they have a really tight, weak flexor component. Um, and so these are all uh, you know, things that need to be assessed and then uh, once diagnosed, I mean, I'm sure an EP can come through with the goods just as much as what a physio would in the base of the exercise uh, prescription.
0: Yeah. So you were talking in regards to certain specific muscles in regards to lower back pain and how they might have certain weaknesses that could be causing that uh, non-specific lower back pain. Uh, In regards to a treatment plan, um, how important is it to make sure, not just looking at the posterior chain in regards to lower back pain, but also looking at something like TA activation? I understand there's a bit of research coming out, especially in the physiotherapy uh, realm at the moment, in regards to TA activation and how that can help uh, low back pain as well
1: yeah I mean sometimes it ends up being a bit of a flavor of the month you know one person talks about TA activation so then everyone does um, there's I think there's just as much compelling evidence working against that that uh, the trans abs have very little uh, you know in the way of uh, improving non-specific low back pain more um, so that the pelvic floor would you know uh then i mean we we went through this whole phase of bridges and side bridges and all that sort of stuff uh planks uh these are all rigid things i mean nothing ever n- nothing that ever stood uh, still for a long period of time uh was alive a and b <laughs> you know nothing survived the typhoons, nothing survived heavy winds uh if it was too much of a rigid structure, it had to have some sort of dynamic control. I, you know, with the tree structure, you know? Yeah. So um, and bridging and uh, and planking are non-functional activities, uh, whereas something like a squat, uh, which places pressure on the pelvic floor and the intra-abdominal pressure system uh, is, is a lot more functional and you can grade your progression uh, and it has a better outcome with regards to improving non-specific lower back pain. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, cool. So um, in regards to a treatment plan and looking into that lower back pain, you've had a bit of success in the past in regards to uh, helping people avoid surgery, uh, which is obviously uh, a pretty drastic sort of outcome. Um, with that success, have you seen more on referrals from specialists in regards to that lower back pain in re- um, and treating those people and them seeing a little bit more value in what the physiotherapist can do uh, in achieving no surgery?
1: Yeah. Look, I think the conservative approach should always be the, the, the uh, first approach and um, and considered above surgical intervention. Uh, understand that, you know, you might have the initial insult of some sort of lower back uh, structural issue, but then you, you receive a second insult through surgery. So um, conservative approach, uh, we know that, you know, disc recovery occurs around three months. We know that if you did nothing with a disc injury that... Uh, at six weeks, the pain would change and improve. Uh, you know, uh, we also know that uh, the fibrocartilage surrounding the disc starts to repair, and uh, we we can have quite an impact on uh, improving intra-abdominal pressure to, to provide stability. Uh, so there's many many things that uh, you know the conservative approach can assist with that uh, reduces a person's pain. And I think what we need to also consider is that. Uh, not all the time what we see diagnostically on a medical image correlates to the person's symptoms Uh, so uh, we need to make a clinical diagnosis based on uh, four or five factors not just the uh, the scan that sits in front of us and i think that that's probably the um, the main differential between a physiotherapist's diagnosis of the problem versus a surgical uh, or a surgical approach, or the surgeon's approach.
0: Yeah. So looking uh, in regards to that, it's more along the lines of taking more of a view of the the client itself, rather than the condition that you're treating, um, and just taking into account a lot of other factors than just what you're seeing right there in front of you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I've seen multiple people with uh, disc prolapse in uh, you know and and uh, disc abutting nerves, and you ask them if they've had if if they've got any back pain, and they report zero. Yeah. Uh, so it uh, doesn't always mean that because there's a structural issue correlates to a, a pain symptom. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. So with that low back pain, is there a certain specific demographic you tend to deal with uh, more than others mm-hmm. or is it something that's a little bit like non-discriminative in regards to the field? So it's people from young ages through to more um, geriatric sort of age class as well? Um, rather, rather than to classify them in age, I, I would
1: classify them by... Um, by level of activity. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> whether they're 13 uh, and sedentary or they're 45 or 60 plus and the sedentary, you will find that they have uh, that posterior chain weakness uh, and those typical features of uh, o- like overactivity throughout the flexes and uh, weak glutes, which is just a recipe for disaster and a lot of that. Um, the other guys that get on with it, you probably I, I wouldn't see them because they they heal themselves, yeah. Um, and then it uh, wouldn't be non-specific. There'd be an acute cause for me seeing them while with their low back pain. Yep,
0: yeah, yeah. So um, in terms of the direction you see physiotherapy and EP and the growth are available uh, in the coming future, is there something in regards to uh, your business and the direction you look to take in regards to uh, bringing EP facilities and services on board?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it'd be, it'd be uh, amazing to have a structured EP program here at Forte. Um, that is the plan. We do have the the space and the facility to be able to uh, encompass that program. Um, I think holistically for, for the approach to the client's um, overall uh, management, then it's integral that that happens. Uh, because that is an ongoing skill that the person will require. Uh, and I think that this would also be a great point to um, bring forth to the GPs in the area that manage uh, different cohorts for people um, and a great service to the community.
0: Cool. So um, obviously knowing a little bit about EP itself uh, and looking in terms of uh, expanding your practice, um, what are some misconceptions and challenges that EPs in the field probably have to deal with at the moment uh, either from other physiotherapists or GPs themselves uh, and how is the best way to uh, basically tackle those challenges? I think that the... um, There's
1: a very poor understanding amongst the GPs and uh, clinical nurse staffing about the role and uh, the de- or the role description of a an EP, um, and uh, that would factor your first issue. Um, I think with the support of uh, physiotherapy. Uh, alongside the EPS, uh, upon presentation of the program to a GP cohort, they would then better understand the harmonious relationship that uh, that would expand between the two. Um, I, I I myself would understand the the difference between physiotherapists and uh, and EPS uh, role uh, at Forte Physiotherapy uh, to be. Uh, an extension of one, rather than just a, a blurred line. Oh, yeah. Time for you to move on. Not, yep. it's not like that. It's a, it's a structured, structured program.
0: And, cool. And finally, just uh, any sort of advice you have for anyone uh, out in the field as a physiotherapist, exercise physiologist, um, or anyone coming out um, in regards to best practice stuff, uh, education, that sort of stuff in regards to ongoing education.
1: Yeah. Cool. Look, um, PD is important. It's invaluable. Uh, you know, you can get some PD through different structured uh, uh, education sources, but uh, discussion amongst professionals, I think, is probably the most important because, uh, you know, you, you take all this information in from academics, but uh, the application of that education and the principles that they have uh, are far more uh, tried and tested in the in the clinic than they are amongst a uh, a trial cohort
0: all right thank you very much for your time today Pleasure simon you, uh hopefully we can get you on board again at some point and uh good luck in the future with forte thank you very much jay